Welcome to the Dear NICU Mama podcast. Our mission is to connect the past and the present NICU mom by bringing them out of isolation and into a sisterhood of women who can stand alongside each other as we heal and grow both in and out of the NICU. Our hope is that through interviews with trauma-informed medical and maternal mental health experts and vulnerable stories from NICU mamas themselves, that you would feel connected to the Dear NICU Mama Sisterhood around the world. So whether your NICU journey was 50 years ago or whether you find yourself in the NICU today, we hope that this podcast reminds you that you are not alone. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Dear Nikki Mama podcast. It's your hosts. Oh, Martha and <laughs> I was like, oh, am I starting this? Time? <laughs> Ashley, I'm sorry. Do you know what Zach, my husband said? He said someday we should have JJ and Silas do the intro sometime. Oh, That'd be really we cute. Absolutely. Should we do definitely that. do that. Um, cute. Today, I, I really just like want to jump in and introduce our guests right away. I normally know we do our cute little banter because we're adorable and contractually married via our, our nonprofit we run together. <laughs> um, yep. But, you know, this season we're talking about growing family after NICU. It's a huge, huge theme. There's so much to dig into. And so we knew right away we need to add ask back um, the one and only Parijat Deshpande. Thank you so mm-hmm. much for being here. Thank you for asking me back. I always love spending time with both of you. And so, you know, likewise. you'll know Parjat from the podcast. She's been on forever. She's been a keynote speaker at some of our best events. It's like every time she talks, people flood, flood our um, social media and our email, just seeing how profound what you have to share is, how it's changed their perspective in so many ways and encouraged them to move forward. Um, Parishad is a Nikki mom herself and also um, a somatic trauma healing expert and a high risk, you know, you support people in high risk pregnancy, um, work through the mind body connection and have an author of an incredible book called Pregnancy Brain, which I refer to people on a weekly basis. I should just get extra copies so I could just chuck them out the window at people as I drive by. <laughs> She really is just like the preeminent scholar in her field and um, has so much wisdom to share. I love following you on social because um, lately you've been posting things that I have never heard you say before, too, and different different um, things to consider about our bodies. And it's just it's fascinating. So thank you for all the work you do. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's, um, <laughs> you know, it's inspired by life. Life kind of went mm-hmm. go that way. <laughs> and so we did. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever asked that. What would you do? What were you doing before all of this I, came to you? Oh, yeah. Back 150 years ago, pre yeah. all this, um, I was a child and family therapist and I used to teach at my alma mater, UC Berkeley, go Bears. And uh, oh my doing, gosh. Yeah, undergraduate psychology classes I used to teach up there too. Oh my gosh. Uh, that totally Amazing. makes sense. First of all, you would have been a, such an awesome professor. I would have loved <laughs> having you for professor. <laughs> Um, we basically consider you our professor. Yeah. You're like the professor mm-hmm. of high risk pregnancy. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, heck yeah, you're still doing that work. <laughs> but I, it's true. I think you kind of are this perfect melding of like warmth and compassion with like evidence-based like academic background. And you're just such a trustworthy person for our whole community. And we're so grateful for you. Mm, thank you. So <laughs> Ash, where do you even want to start? Well, uh, if you are just tuning in to our season six, you kind of have seen this overarching theme of growing your family after NICU. 
And if you haven't listened to some of our previous episodes, we encourage you to do so. We have roundtable episodes. We have a replay episode from One and Done, who talks about when you're done building your family. Um, But we knew that when we started talking about who should we have as an expert on this podcast, Parija, you came to mind right away. And so, mamas, if you haven't had the chance to hear Parija speak before, get ready for some gentle healing today. It's going to be beautiful. But we also just want to preface that we understand that this topic is really tender. So the beauty of podcasting is that you can pause and restart. You can rewind. You can fast forward. So we really encourage you to listen to your heart as you listen, as we'll be talking about growth after NICU. So maybe let's start a little bit, Parija, with just hearing a little of your journey and kind of what inspired you to specialize in the work that you do. Sure. Um, Can I just say what a beautiful trauma-informed invitation you just offered? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Oh, yay. Thank you for (laughs) saying all that, reminding everyone we get to choose the pace that we take things in. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I so actually before even my previous career, I always wanted to be an OBGYN. Did we talk about this before? I was a child. I didn't know that. I have Mm. memories of being eight years old in my old house and playing not doctor, playing OBGYN. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes. So it's kind of this roundabout journey I have taken to to this career. Um, Took a detour through clinical, first developmental psychology, then clinical psychology. And then I went through Life University, as many of us here who are listening (laughs) have been through. That's a good way to put it. Um, and, And it was that experience that really opened my eyes to the gaps in not only the medical care that we receive, even though I received excellent medical care. And I was just telling somebody the other day, if I could, if I was going to go through this again, I would handpick that team all over again. They were so good. And there are so many gaps that are in inherent to the medical care that we receive, especially through high-risk pregnancies. And there was, uh, it was an eye-opening experience to recognize how many gaps there were in my own professional training to support somebody like me. Uh, I say this in Pregnancy Brain, and I probably have shared this on the podcast, but I remember a moment in my pregnancy when I was at home on modified activity restrictions that had been weeks already, like my whole life had stopped. And I I remember feeling so anxious because I was pregnant with my son after a loss already. And I was so anxious. I was so scared all the time. And I remember, I can picture exactly where I was in that house, thinking, if I walked into the office of somebody like me professionally, I know what they would say, because that's what I would say to a client. And now as the patient, that is not at all what I need. I don't need tools on how to calm down. I want to know how to stay pregnant. I want to know how to save this baby's life. And it was really that experience and actually being able to adjust and kind of experience for myself viscerally what it's like to extend my pregnancy beyond what my medical team thought was possible that opened my eyes to this because I say this all the time I am nobody special I don't have magical powers there's nothing unique about me everybody can do this if you are a human being you can learn how to do this and Mm -hmm. if everybody can do this why are we not teaching everybody to do this? <laughs> right. And that's kind right. of how how the work began is working with people who experienced late term loss or who have experienced preterm birth 
through their next pregnancy to overcome the odds that their medical team is giving them by offering them these somatic neurobiological approaches that actually have scientific backing to show that they can extend pregnancy and help you uh, have a healthy pregnancy, even if you're high risk. Wow. Well, and I, I love that you right away brought up this idea that we're just told to calm down or to meditate or do some yoga. And as all of us who've had high risk pregnancy knows that it is like a drop in the bucket of what, you know, we mm-hmm. actually need. But many of us in our, you know, maybe preconception consults with our OB or our six week checkup with our OB, you know, we might ask the question, can I, should I? And one response we often get is physically, this is, you know, the odds or the statistics, but emotionally, could you handle and go through another pregnancy? So, you know, how would you speak to the moms who are really questioning right now? I don't know if emotionally I could do it, or I don't know if my anxiety could do it. I don't know if I could, the stress on my body, you know, how would you, you know, initially address the moms that are just worried about their emotional capacity to be pregnant again? Yeah, I love that you use the word capacity, because that's exactly what I would say, is I would say trust that. Instead of trying to override these these impulses that we're having that are telling us, I don't know that I'm ready. You know, why do we question that? Because behind those questions are a lot of shoulds. I should be trying. I should be ready. I should be over it. My kiddo is two, three, four, five, six. I should have been, right? And there's so much judgment behind that. And so my invitation would be, can we lean into actually the impulse you have right now that maybe I don't have the capacity for this yet. Mm -hmm. And can we sit with that longer than just a moment and see Mm -hmm. what comes from it, right? And the answer may not be, you know, you're right. You're never going to be ready. It's over. Goodbye, right? It's not going to be. And I think that's what we're afraid of is if we actually look at it in the face, we're afraid that the answer is going to be close the door. It might be for some people, but it's not always going to be. What it will be though, no matter what, when we look at that, straight head on is we're going to figure out where that capacity is and where it's not what do i need more of what do i how do i need to support my body in a different way what more information do i need is it information or is it something else do i need more social support do i need something more for my partner if i've got a partner do i need more help with the children i have at home do i you know what is that we can't figure that out if we are trying to override something our body's trying to tell us which is not right now can you look at this first please Mm. Yeah. And I think that's that's like the there's this common feeling, I think the sentiment that we get from uh you know our well-meaning providers and from the world in general that like if you are to lean into those, it will become out of control and then yes. you're unsafe, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. And yeah. so that's why we're leaning towards the call do meditation, do calming to like yes. push it away or to conceal it as opposed to really um exposing and digging into those feelings and of course doing it in the context of a, of a professional is always is is great like a mental health provider right but um i think what you're suggesting is just really counterintuitive than to what we've been told for, for yeah, so long exactly and to ashley's point about do i have the capacity the only way to build capacity is mm. to look at it 
and to go, I've got teacup size capacity and that's what it is. And then if I can look at that and go, what do I need to grow that capacity? Then we can make it bigger in a variety of different ways. But if we go, I've got teacup size capacity, I'm going to go over here and meditate. That's not going to do anything to the capacity. Mm -hmm. That's just us ignoring what our body is trying to tell us, right? Mm -hmm. That's so good. So thinking then about like this category of people who who fall into the, you know the type of clients that you work with who might have anxiety a lot of them have what we call a high risk pregnancy right and for many people who have delivered in the NICU um, whether it was full term or preterm many many times that comes with a correlation a statistical um, reasoning that you may end up in the NICU again, or you may deliver early again, or have a birth complication, something like that. Can you explain what high risk means from your yeah. perspective as a provider? Absolutely. A high risk pregnancy, it's a really large umbrella term mm. that includes a very large number of people, <laughs> actually, um, because high risk pregnancy just means you are at elevated risk of experiencing pregnancy and or fetal complications. That's it. It doesn't say anything about your likelihood of developing them. It doesn't say anything about the likelihood of delivering preterm or being in the NICU, even though I know that's what we often fill in when we hear that because it sounds so scary. But really, technically, the term is a vague term that means you are at elevated risk of these of certain complications. And what that means is you will have some amount of extra monitoring. For some people, it's an extra test or two in their entire pregnancy. For people like me, you get to move in with your MFM until you deliver the baby, (laughs) right? And there's a whole range in between. And so the reason I say that is because I know that term can feel really scary for a lot of people when they hear it. For some people, it's kind of a relief because you're like, oh, thank goodness, I'm going to get some monitoring. I've got some extra eyes. That's great. And for others, it can feel really scary because then you're like, I don't know what this means. Does that mean for sure all this is going to happen again? And the answer is no, it's not for sure. You're just at elevated risk. And so it's important to identify with your team, what does a high-risk pregnancy mean for you in your body given your history? And what does that then mean for your possible future pregnancy? Because that answer is going to be different for every single one of us. Mm. Yeah. I remember when I was pregnant with Silas and they were going to refer us to MFM. And that was the first time I'd heard of MFM. And I remember Googling, what does MFM mean? And then it was maternal fetal medicine. And then all I read was high-risk pregnancy, high-risk pregnancy. And I was so freaked out. I was so scared. I was like, wait, they didn't tell me that my pregnancy was now high-risk. Like, what does this mean? And you kind of feel like you have this caution tape on you now of like, watch out. She could blow any minute, you know, or like, (laughs) we got to be careful with her. And you just kind of feel like you're all of a sudden a fragile pregnant woman versus like an empowered pregnant woman. So, you know, that's actually, we don't have this on the question, but how would you empower moms who feel like they have that caution tape label on them, who now feel like they're kind of like, because sometimes that can feel like a part of your identity of, I'm not just a normal pregnant woman. I'm this pregnant woman who needs all this extra attention and I feel shame because of it. Yes. Yes. I would, I mean, I would tell them to go read Pregnancy Brain because that's why I wrote it. Yes. <laughs> no, but yes. in all seriousness, that is why I wrote it for exactly that reason is the, is 
the word fragile is so appropriate. I think it's so poignant for how it feels. Like you sometimes can feel like you're a a ticking time bomb and like any second now, which yes, for some of us, that is how it happened. Um, and, And for others, the high risk part means I'm say over 35 and therefore I'm going to need some additional testing or I'm carrying twins and I'm going to need some extra monitoring. It doesn't actually translate physiologically, medically to a ticking time bomb, but it feels that way for a lot of people, especially if you have a history of delivering preterm, of having complications, of having baby either preterm or full term in the NICU absolutely can feel that way and one of the things I believe in so strongly is if you can understand what's happening why do you have that turd that label so to speak right why did they call you high risk what does that mean for you what does that how does that tie into what happened before and the likelihood of what could happen in the future and what options do you have in your own body that don't require any fancy anything which is the whole point of of pregnancy brain if you can understand why that works suddenly it's not so mystical right you're not just waiting for something magical to come and make it better or waiting for a shoe to drop that's going to make it suddenly worse, you start to recognize you have power to actually affect what happens next. And I think that's so, like, I cannot overstate that. We have so much power in being able to influence the course of our pregnancies. When I look back, I try not to think about, you know, could I have you know, made it any longer or anything like that. I know enough now about the pregnancy that I was never going to make it to 40 weeks. But I know in the power of my experience, which I talk about a little bit in Pregnancy Brain too, of there was, it wasn't magic that I went from, you're going to lose this baby anytime in the next 72 hours to here he is, he's born 15 days later. And he now he has a chance at life in the NICU. There's actual biological reasoning behind that and I think the more we understand that the the more powerful we can feel because it's real it's not just an experience that you're hoping to have it's actually in your body right now and Mm -hmm. I just find that to be so important as that first step to go from oh my gosh what is happening Mm -hmm. And feeling that fragility that you're talking about to shifting into that empowered state, so much of that lies in understanding how our bodies are working. Yeah. So along that then, you know, sometimes for many of us, looking back feels really triggering. Yep. So reading a hospital chart or asking even our OBs what happened can feel really overwhelming because we find ourselves reliving it. So in your experience and in your practice, how do we do that in a way that is somewhat easy to digest or you know can we pace it a certain way do you have and maybe that's exactly the work that you do is helping moms process that very thing but you know how do we look back and understand what happened without feeling completely triggered and overwhelmed totally maybe it's a mix of both (laughs) totally yeah well to the short answer is that is the work that i do that's a a third of the the service that i provide through my path to baby program is I look at the medical chart first because especially a lot of my clients will say exactly what you said of 
I don't want to. I can't. Yeah. No. And and interestingly, over the last couple of years, most of my clients have been medical providers. And even they mm-hmm. have said the same thing. So this has nothing to do yeah. with professionalism mm-hmm. or anything like that. It's yeah. our experience as human beings and as parents, right? Yeah. So I'll take a look at that first. And then we'll digest it together in regular language while we're doing somatic work mm-hmm. together so that it's paced in a way that your body can tolerate. So sometimes those conversations cross three weeks and we do a little bit at a time over a little bit. For some people, we can do it in a day. And from there, then I build out for them question workflows to take to their preconception appointment. So not just a list of Mm -hmm. questions, but literally a flow chart of if they say this, then say this. If they don't say this, Mm -hmm. then ask this. So that there's no mental gymnastics you're having to do yeah. to yeah. figure it out in the moment because it's hard enough to be there. It's hard yeah. enough to have yeah. that conversation. Yeah. You need to save those resources for the things that only you can do and let somebody else do the rest of it. Now, if we aren't working together, uh, then what I often recommend is before you dive into your history, dive into the present. Go into your body now and listen to what your body is saying as it's telling you, kind of what we were just talking about earlier, what is my capacity for even going there? Our heads Mm -hmm. have a timeline. I say this to my clients all the time. You have a timeline for how fast you want this to go. I have an idea of how fast I'd like this to go. Your body is the one that's going to decide. Mm -hmm. Because if we push it any faster, right? And you can tell when we're having a conversation that's making you uncomfortable, not you, but you know, any of us, right? We all have our telltale signs. Some of us get distracted and we start fiddling with stuff. We might start scrolling on our phone as, as we're doing it. Mm-hmm. Some of us start pacing. Some of us start, you know, fidgeting a little bit. We've got pens, you know, flipping around yeah. in our fingers. Some of us kind of tune out and you can kind of see eyes glaze over. You can kind of feel like, I can't take it anymore. Just I can stop, make it stop, mm-hmm. make it stop. Other sounds start to feel really loud and uncomfortable. There's a lot of signs, right, that your body is telling you this is too much. Picture that teacup and it's overflowing. We don't have the capacity for it. And so I would ask, I would invite you to ask yourself if that's what's happening as you're thinking back to what was going on. As you're thinking about, oh, I should go back into my medical charts. Oh, I should go ha- schedule my my preconception appointment or whatever. If that's happening and you're feeling these sensations, I would invite you to ask yourself, well, why now? Mm. Can it wait? It, you may not want it to wait. And that's a whole other conversation that we can absolutely <laughs> ha- talk about. But can it wait right now? Is it actually an emergency? Is it actually urgent that you have you do this right now? And can mm-hmm. you give yourself the time to actually build the somatic capacity first so that you can go back and do these things in a mm-hmm. much safer way? Yeah. And then too, I think you have to have, like you said, you have to be realistic about the timeline and not and, and be incredibly gentle with yourself too. If you do those things and you feel your cup starting to overflow, there is no, you don't get it. There is no award for pushing through it you know the only award you get is more anxiety so you get to deserve you 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 deserve to be able to step back and take your own pace too like i think yeah sometimes it this might sound kind of crazy but i think a lot of people in our community see this idea of like doing this work it's so vitally important that we are 
we are somehow punishing ourselves through the healing, right? We're yes. like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to be the best at healing. And I'm also going to, I couldn't do that. Right. So I'm going to do this, right. I'm going to do yes. this, you know, yeah. my body couldn't do that. So this is what I'm going to do. And this is going to fix it. Right. Yes. Um, uh, as, as opposed to saying that we are, you know, beautiful divine beings that are worthy, you know, and, and com- confronting ourselves with compassion. It's, it's a really hard thing to do. It is a hard thing to do and I'm so appreciative that you said it that way because oftentimes what I tell people is if I notice that that's kind of how somebody's coming to me going, I'm going to be the best at healing and I'm going to crush it because I couldn't do anything else before that. I usually tell them we're not ready to work together yet, but Mm -hmm. what I offer them to think about is everything that you've been through was not by choice. It You didn't choose it. So how about we take some time and choose when Mm -hmm. actually you can do the healing and at what pace. Give yourself that grace of choice that you didn't have before. And that's that's really where it begins. That's so empowering. And I've just like, as you've been sharing this, you know, one thought that popped into my head is how do you honor – the pace in which you feel like you have capacity for when it feels like you're getting pressure from either random people at the grocery store who ask you when, how, should, or maybe your partner or a mother-in-law or, you know, like when you kind of feel this pressure from others to go at a pace that you're not ready for, you know, what wisdom or encouragement would you give moms who are trying to honor that pace but feel like they're not allowed to? Yeah. I don't know that today's the best day for me to answer because I'm like, just got snarky (laughs) things that are coming to mind that are probably not helpful. (laughs) You know, I think that's a question of boundaries, honestly, because if you are going to be pregnant, then it's your body and anybody can have any opinions that they want about this. But if you recognize, hey, I'm not ready right now, or I don't want to right now, or I don't want to again, ever, you know, anything like that, it's a matter of not figuring out, I think, what to say back or to get people to believe you, but more of how can you keep those opinions, those thoughts away from seeping into you, right? Is there a way to have that conversation if you want to, right? Random dude at the grocery store, doesn't matter. Partner (laughs) kind of matters. So how can you have those conversations in a way where it's separate, where we can talk about timeline and that doesn't seep into my identity, my sense of what I know is right for my body or anything of that nature, right? How do we have those two separately? And oftentimes, you know, especially if it's with a partner, for example, a great way to do that if you have this um, ability to do this with your partner is to say, hey, something to the effect of, hey, I know this has been really hard. I know you've been thinking about baby number two, three, four, you know, whatever it is. Uh, Would you like to talk about that at some time and let the conversation be just about them? What is it that's on their mind? We're not trying to solve anything here. We're not trying to come to a decision. We're not trying to come up with a timeline. I'm just offering that I'm going to be here with you to listen to Mm -hmm. your experience because you have one that is different than mine. And, And that kind of can help you practice keeping those things separate. 
I know I'm not ready physically, emotionally, mentally, somatically, whatever. And I can have the capacity to hold what it is that my partner is going through. For a lot of folks in our private support groups, one thing they always say is, I, you know, I'm maybe thinking about pregnancy again. I want to grow my family via pregnancy, but I know that I'll be anxious and I'm nervous that my anxiety will then cause complications, will cause high blood pressure, will cause preterm labor. Um, is that a valid thing to be concerned about? How would you talk, how would you react to a client who said that? Yeah, that's a question that we get a lot too. So I appreciate you asking that. Um, the reality is, and this kind of goes back to what you're talking about before of understanding the body. The reality is that yes, stress physiology does increase risk of certain pregnancy complications. That is the truth. And that's, I recognize that that can be hard to hear, but that is the truth. And it's not a choice. I usually liken stress or anxiety to hunger pangs. We don't mm. choose when our stomach grumbles. We don't cause it. We don't blame ourselves for our stomach grumbling. It happens because our body recognizes it is time to refuel. And this is the, the, the biological way that it gives us that signal. That's what stress is. It is a the, the set, constellation of sensations that clue us in biologically that something is threatening our life right now. And when we can think of stress from that perspective where it's not a choice, it's not a conscious decision you're making, you're not doing anything wrong. This mm. is a, it's a physiological chain reaction that happens outside of conscious and verbal awareness in response to a threat, just like hunger pangs, just like when mm. our bladder starts contracting because it's time to go to the bathroom. We don't choose it, right? It's a biological response. And so I find that to be actually filled with hope because the goal then is not to not stress. The mm. goal is how can I make this experience less threatening? And that mm. I have a lot more control over. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, so and, cool. A, and a good way to think about it too, because again, I think a lot of people feel shame and guilt about their, the reactions of what their body was doing to protect them, to yes. protect them and save their exactly. lives. So with that being said, then, for many of us who maybe would decide to get pregnant again, we will always have that label of high risk. So the word normal doesn't necessarily feel like it applies to us in some ways, but is it possible to have a more normal pregnancy experience? And if so, how does that happen and what do we do to make that happen? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I too don't love the word normal because like <laughs> what is normal really? Cause I'm pretty sure it's I'm not normal <laughs> even <Yeah>. outside of <laughs> pregnancy. Um, right. I, I would, I would maybe say, is it possible? Can I rephrase the question and see if that resonates? Please. Can I have the pregnancy experience that I want next time? Mm -hmm that I maybe didn't have before. Do you think that might be underneath that question that you all hear? Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. Possibly. Definitely. And the reason I ask it like that is because what we want, all of us, is so different, right? Some people yeah. just want peace. Yeah. I just want peace of mind that I did everything I could. 
And I've worked with people with such a wide range, right? Some people will say, I just want peace of mind. I did everything I could. Some people say, no, I want to do all the things that I couldn't do before. I want to go on vacation. I want a baby moon. I want to tell people and be happy about it. You know, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of things that I missed and I want to do that. For some people, it's I want to feel uh, comfortable in my body. I've literally just finished working with a client whose original goal was, I want to feel my body. I don't want to be disconnected because I want to bond with this baby the entire time, no matter what happens. Yeah. And so I think if we flip that question to, can I have the experience that I want? Totally. Yes, it's absolutely possible. Yes. 100%, 1000%, yes. Take take my voice and hear that. Because And I'm not, cause I'm not saying this as a hallmarky thing. I really genuinely believe it is possible because we understand how the physiology of pregnancy works. We're not saying, can I magically never have pregnancy complications again? For some people, yes, that is a reality. For some people, it's not. Like this client that I just finished with, I told you, she ended up developing a pregnancy complication anyway, even though we were working together. But she never lost the connection with her baby, which was her Mm -hmm. primary thing she wanted. And so, yes, yes, it is possible. What we've got to do is be really realistic about what we want. And I don't mean realistic as in minimizing. I mean realistic as in expand the vision. Mm -hmm. Because what you want is often bigger than what we're willing to admit to ourselves. Mm -hmm. But if you can let yourself believe it is possible, then let yourself go there and say, what do I really, really want? Um, I'm thinking about that client who listed off she took a minute in our first call and she's like I think I just don't want to feel anxious I'm like that's not gonna happen so let's let's try (laughs) that differently um I think I want I think I just want to like get through the pregnancy I'm like do you really you just want to get through it Mm. gave it a minute she thought about it we talked it through a little bit just gentle coaxing kind of giving her ideas doing some somatic work to help her get there and then she had this list of like 15 things because she delivered uh, extremely preterm in her previous pregnancy. She was similar, very similar in my, as my experience of just complication after complication. So there really wasn't a moment of joy. And then she had this list of like 15 things. I want to surprise my husband when I find out. I want to do the baby moon. I want to do this. And 15 things. And I, I, mean, I have chills right now just describing mm. and remembering that moment. Because it's like that all of that you deserve that mm-hmm. and yes it's possible and and she got to do it all which is the, the yeah. best part about it yeah. if we allow ourselves to be really really honest with ourselves about what mm-hmm. we want yes absolutely possible oh what a beautiful story and also like so hopeful right I think mm-hmm. uh, so many of us have these maternal fetal medicine appointments or or conversations about growing your family, whether it's through pregnancy or not, and you're just faced with statistics from all ends. And so our brains are trying to do calculations at a complicated rate. And by kind of saying, well, take a step back and say, well, what is the experience that you want to have? You know, um, you know, you want joy. Okay. Then that's doable. We can get you joy. You know what I mean? Yeah. uh, That's it's, is like you said, bigger and more reasonable than that pile of statistics could ever be. It's really cool, actually. Yeah. Well, and it, what I appreciate about that is it's, it feels like it's less up to chance. I feel like so many times Mm -hmm. it's like, well, 
it could happen it could not you have no control so it's just chance yeah you know there's a 50 percent chance like you said martha the statistics are all that you see and this is giving moms control again and also the biggest thing i heard from all of that is just permission to dream again yes so many of us feel like the dreams that we had in pregnancy and childbirth were taken from us. There was no chance. And then to open your heart up again feels terrifying. You're mm-hmm. like, but what if I want that and I can't have that? <laughs> you know, like it yeah. so feels so vulnerable to dream. But what I love is that you're giving moms that permission to really ask themselves, what do you want if you could dream up anything in a realistic way, right? But, <laughs> you know, even just giving your heart permission to want those things again takes so much courage. But how beautiful to give your heart permission to do that. It's so, so stunning. And your partner, too, like to dream yes, together of right. what do we want to, how do we want to experience this pregnancy again or, you know, building our family? I think that's just it's so lovely. So, f- you know, for many of us who've had trauma traumatic births or delivery where our children ended up in the NICU it sometimes feels selfish to even pursue the idea of growing our family knowing the risks it could mean for the the next child we combat a lot of shame of is Mm -hmm. it selfish what if I deliver early Mm -hmm. and they have to have a NICU state I knew that was a chance Mm -hmm. or for your children at home right we talk about that for your children at home so kind of following that that dreaming theme you know how does a mom Give herself permission to dream and, and, and kind of silence some of those selfish, intrusive thoughts that she has. Mm-hmm. Or maybe silence isn't the word, but just comforts those thoughts so they don't feel so loud. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but what I really strongly encourage people to do is to figure out the source of those thoughts. And I don't mean well, of course I'm worried about this because my child was a 32-weeker and we spent this time in the NICU. I mean, I don't mean it in that practical way. What I mean is what aspect of that question that you're asking, should I try again? Should I be pregnant again? Should I have more children? Or whatever those questions are that are being answered by this feels selfish. What aspect of that question feels threatening? What aspect of that experience feels threatening? Now, again, the initial answer is often, well, hello, obviously, I don't want to have another baby in the NICU. Mm. Yes. And can we go deeper? Can we go, what about, what specifically about that experience, again, is feeling threatening to you? Is it Mm -hmm. seeing a baby in the NICU? Is it the sounds of the NICU? Is it stepping into the NICU? Is it the smells of the NICU? Is it not knowing what's going to happen to your child long term by the age of three? Because now you see what a 32-weeker at the age of three could be like, for example, right? What specific aspect of it? Because it can feel so big. Everything feels big and overwhelming and scary and like, I can't do this. I don't know if I can do this. So let's start one tiny, tiny piece at a time. Get really, really granular. So, okay, it's not just having a baby in the NICU. It is walking into the NICU. Well, what about walking into the NICU? Oh, it's the sound the doors make when I hit the button and that opens. Okay, well, now that tells us what we need to do. We have a sensory memory that we need to work through in order to heal that part of your trauma. That's doable. Okay, what else is there? 
Well, it's not just the sound, but it's when I walk into the bay and it's the sounds of the beeping. Again, another sensory memory. It's, you know, if it's something like, well, I don't know what's going to happen long term for their health. That's a lot. There's a lot of information we can gather about that, right? And there's a lot of things we can do prenatally to reduce the risk of long-term health issues, even if you do de- uh, deliver preterm. So you, I, I hope I'm being clear in what I'm saying yeah. is that yeah. we can take something that big that feels selfish and go, why, 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 and drill mm-hmm. down until we hit that one thing. Most of the time we don't do that because we're trying to avoid looking at that thing, that little kernel that's driving that because what's more comfortable, and it sounds ridiculous to say, but it really is more comfortable to blame ourselves and kick ourselves and and berate ourselves than it is to look at that one thing that caused so much pain last time. But if we can get curious about it, we don't have to do anything about it right away. We just get curious first. Like, what is it? I just want to know what it is. And then I'm going to put it away in the closet and I'm going to look at it. That's okay. But can I find what it is? Can I go one layer deeper in the whys? When I find it, then I have choice to decide what I want to do with it. And that in and of itself is healing. And that in and of itself will quiet those thoughts about this is selfish. Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, it's astounding. I mean, the work is is incredible. I also see how this could really be transformative, of course, if you are considering a pregnancy again, but also if you are thinking about growing your family through adoption or surrogacy, or if you choose not to, or if you aren't unable to do any of those things, right? If that is just not possible for your family for a million reasons, right? This type of work is um, still valuable to really evaluate yourself because you are worthy of it, right? You're worthy of understanding, okay, you, you want, you deserve joy, right? That's like the macro theme, right? Well, well, digging into that past and that memory allows you to kind of release the shame so you can move it forward with joy in other ways, however, whatever the path is forward. I think that's like the coolest part of it. It is, wildly specific but also like so universal and honestly they should do this for every type of medicine not just obstetrics (laughs) agreed (laughs) agreed yeah well maybe for um the first question is we usually end the podcast with just some words of encouragement for NICU moms who find themselves um in maybe a similar place as to the topic that we're talking about so you know, what words of encouragement would you give to the NICU moms who are kind of new to exploring this idea of growing their family? You know, how would you encourage them in the very beginning of their journey? I would st- I would say stay curious. We, we have a tendency to want to solve. Do that all mm-hmm. the time. How do I fix this? How do I make this better? That's just how my head works. And, and also the best thing that we can do for ourselves is to stay curious. What do I want? What does my partner want? What does my family want? What am I ready for? What am I not ready for? And just allow yourself to play with the questions without the pressure Mm -hmm. of needing to find answers. And Mm -hmm. through that exploration, I think you will find a path 
the outline of a path and then the actual path that's going to lead you forward in the direction that is going to be right for you and for your family. Yeah. So beautiful. And maybe as a final thought here is how can moms connect with you? Um, Everything that you've shared today is just life-changing, life-altering, just amazing perspective and wisdom and, and really hopeful. So for moms who have really resonated with this episode and what you've shared, how can they get to know you and how can they connect with your resources? Yes, I think the best thing that you can do after listening to this is read Pregnancy Brain and join me in my inner circle. And we have a link for you that will donate proceeds back to Dear NICU Mama if you use that link. Um, but that's where we dive deeper into all of this. I, I just feel so strongly that the more we understand, the less scary it feels and the more hope yeah. that we get about what could lie ahead in the future and where our choices lie again. So those are the two things I would recommend. Um, I also hang out on Instagram at healthy.highriskpregnancy. So come by, say hi, let me know what <laughs> resonated. Um, tag all of us and let us know what resonated about um, this uh, episode. I love hearing stuff like that. So you can come by and see me there too. Yes. Yay. And I will vouch her um, Instagram is very trauma-informed, very gentle, mm-hmm. very um, – the things that we read on there were like, oh my gosh, I've never heard it said this way. So if you're feeling hesitant about following an account that talks about pregnancy, know that this is one that mm-hmm. feels very gentle and safe to do so. So Parja, thank you so much for the work that you do and for being back on the podcast with us. Martha, do you have any closing thoughts before I go into the close? No, I'm just uh, always in awe of you and so grateful. Um, again, I mean, I, can't, I don't think it's, I don't think we can say that enough. There is no one like you in the world. I mean, seriously. And I hope that more people, more providers, more professionals start following suit. I think they will. And you are just this beacon um, because it's life-changing work. I'm sorry, but I'm going to cry. But I just think um, every time I talk to you, I feel like I get, I hear these things. I take them personally. And I feel like I'm reminded that I'm deserving of, of beautiful things, you know? Mm-hmm. and uh and of a healing that is worthwhile and like a gentle and and possible so thank you yes you are so beautiful well mamas thank you so much for tuning in today and we hope that you as always felt seen heard and validated in your journey we know this topic is tender and um, by no means feel that you have to come to any conclusions today. In fact, please don't come to any conclusions today. <laughs> yeah. But we hope if there's something that you've heard today, it's that you are deserving of dreaming. You are deserving of, of hoping that those things are not too far out of reach. And um, uh, also that the high risk pregnancy title does not define your worth as a woman. Sometimes we can feel as though we're kind of like second best in pregnancy, but know that your worth is not defined by the labels on your medical chart or what defines your pregnancy. So Nikki Mamas, we love you. We are with you no matter if and how and when you decide to grow your family. We are here alongside you and your story is welcome in this sisterhood. So we love you and we will make sure to connect all of Parija's resources in the description. So have a wonderful rest of your week. 
Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Dear Nikki Mama podcast. If you loved this episode, we'd be so grateful for a review on any of the podcast platforms. And we'd love to continue connecting with you via our social media pages or our private Facebook group. And ultimately, Nikki Mama, welcome to the sisterhood. 